your host, Joe Delera, and this episode is once again brought to you by our good friends at Props.Cash. You could sign up for your first month with 25% off with code Delera25. Look, they are the best in the business. business. They are the premier player prop betting tool. It's something that I use every single day in my betting process. I've got it up on the window right next to me while we record this podcast. It's something that is absolutely instrumental to not only my process, but it should be to your process too, because I think that we can each become better betters. And that's part of what this podcast is about. It's not just uh, you know, me giving out my picks. It's talking about how I come to these conclusions. And that way you guys can become, you know, better. You guys can listen, you can learn. Uh, and then you guys can even help me out and send me some tips. My DMs are always open. Um, and I'm always willing to engage with you guys. So, you know, props.cash has the hit rate charts. They have the matchup charts. So you can see just how good of a matchup it is. You could see prior performance data for that player. You can see it for other players at the same position. Uh, there are just so many little tools that you can use and different filters that you can do. So if you want to see how a guy performs in 20 to 30 minutes, it's in props.cash and you can get that for your first month for 25% off with code Delara 25. Um, now, producer Corey, how are we uh, How are we doing today? It's a big week. Uh, I know we got the Super Bowl coming up. Um, yep. We're not going to really talk about it too much, but who are you rooting for? Um... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, are you rooting? Like, am I going to be a dumbass and actually bet against the Chiefs? Like that's silly of me, dude. I keep, I keep going through this in my brain. I have a future on the Niners, and I don't have one on the Chiefs, so I'm just not going to bet this. I'm just going to root for the Niners. Oh, yeah, just sit, sit this one out. I'm sitting it out. But um, there are like a lot of boosts available. There are a lot of like promos and stuff available to you guys. Like if you are looking at getting a new sports book or getting a new situation like just try to see like you know spread your oh, bet yeah. out you know <laughs> the deposit bonuses at this time are prime they're pretty nice they're pretty nice so um definitely check that out it's all definitely really important to try to help you with your bankroll management give you some fun money give you some extra free bucks to kind of play who doesn't with. need 200 dollars in credits on any given sports book yeah like why not it's fine why not why not who us cares? why not us it's free money it's yeah. it, it's just it's literally free um so yeah, so I'm gonna root for the Niners. I think the Niners are a little bit better. I think that you know the Chiefs, they've just it's been an incredible run. Uh, I think it could arguably be one of the greatest runs you know to a Super Bowl um, in the past you know or recent history anyway, uh, just based on the quarterbacks that they kind of had to go through. It's tough to bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's what's giving me pause to even touch anything. Yeah, I did see something that was like, how funny would it be if Brock Purdy is the Eli Manning to Patrick oh. Mahomes is Tom Brady? And I was like, I love this. Mr. Now. Irrelevant is yeah. is the that would be so perfect. Yeah, granted, Eli Manning number one draft pick, Mr. versus Mr. Irrelevant, but like you know, we get the point. Everybody considered him irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, did you see everybody poo pooed all of our hopes and did, dreams? <laughs> did you see Eli's uh, like little rap that he did? Of course. I did. I fucking love him. Anything he does is gold. That was awesome. It was beat Brady twice. So and and for what for what it's worth, if I were him, I would have signed fake game used memorabilia and sell sold it as well. Yeah, like why not? Why not? Why the fuck wouldn't you do that? You gotta do what you if gotta do. If you're saying you wouldn't, you're a liar. And yeah. you're an ass. Just make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Um, so a funny thing happened today before we kind of get into this is the uh <laughs> the fucking DraftKings, like last night I gave out Rudy Gobert or two nights ago, I gave him to get hit his rebounds prop and it was over 12 and a half. It moved to like 13 and a half. Um, 
not only did the Chicago Bulls, like I think somebody had to have made a call because DraftKings fucking put out a tweet and they're like, the number one bet prop today is Rudy Gobert over rebounds. Like with the fucking, like with the French fry, with the odds, like everything in there. And I was like, fuck, like this is so chalked. So like, we'll see how this plays out now because I'm recording this. We're recording this at 8.17 p.m. Eastern time. That game basically just tipped. Uh, But the Bulls, changed their starting lineup and they were like oh we're gonna start drumming too so like they really like DraftKings made the call like well we're gonna blame them like this is if this doesn't hit if it does hit then like give me all the credit but um if not then definitely blame DraftKings for sure for sure um so (laughs) you know talking about chalk plays it is, is what it is but look we're getting really close to the NBA trade deadline uh that deadline is on Thursday and What it kind of does, it kind of creates like a really interesting and a really difficult time to talk about props, to bet player props, to even bet on games. And this podcast, we'll, we're going to give out a bunch. We'll still give out some picks, um, but there's going to be some caveats. There's going to be it's going to be a little bit lighter, I think. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the trade rumors that are you know potentially swirling around the uh, the internet here. Mm. Um, the biggest thing, though, when you when it comes to these rumors is you kind of have an idea of most of the teams and most of the players that this is like impacting right like you know that the lakers like consistently continue to be in conversations about players you see that the utah jazz continue to be in conversations about players you see that the new york knicks are involved in trades like there's a number of teams that you see and you're like all right like these guys are all you know kind of in on trades like they're kind of in on different scenarios um and you can kind of see like maybe like some of the guys or some of the positions that may be i want to say lacking uh as we near the deadline and just you know whether they're going to get traded or whether you know they don't want somebody to get hurt for example and those are all important things so you know like with the orlando magic for example um they've kind of kicked around like whether or not they want to go after maybe like a Chris Paul or a Kyle Lowry um, and how that may or may not look. Um, when you consider some of these moves, like obviously if Lowry or Chris Paul comes in, it's obviously going to impact what Orlando is doing uh, in their backcourt with, you know, with their guard positioning play and like with their guard play. Uh, so that's definitely something to keep an eye out on moving forward. Um, but one of the t- players in the teams that I'm most interested in right now is when you look at like the Golden State Warriors, for example, uh, one of the players that's been talked about being moved is Andrew Wiggins. Um, Andrew Wiggins, he got upgraded. He's probable for this game. Uh, for this next game against uh, against the 76ers on Wednesday. He's listed as probable. Um, but there are a number of other players on the injury report as well. Like Draymond Green is listed as questionable for this game against the 76ers. We've got the spread at about a pick em right now. Obviously, there's no Joel Embiid. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, like when I'm looking at this, though, is I'm looking at there's always, you don't always want to bet like on a trade happening, right? Uh, but it is nice, like if you bet on a prop, you like the play, and then there's always like a little bit of upside if somebody were to get traded. So, like in this instance, uh, we've been really running back Kaminga either points or points and rebounds like a lot. Um, he's now hit it in nine of his last ten games uh, on this points and rebounds line or the points line. Um, this is set at twenty five and a half points plus rebounds. It is a little bit of a different scenario. Last game, obviously, Andrew Wiggins didn't play. Dario Sarge returned. Moses Moody returned. Um, and I thought it was a great matchup for him against the Brooklyn Nets. Here, you get a matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know if I like it 
matchup wise, like as much. Um, but you do have a little bit of upside here in the fact that Draymond's on the report. Maybe he doesn't play. And Andrew Wiggins, even though he got upgraded, he's been like one of the number one guys in trade talks right now. Uh, the Warriors know that they kind of need to move him if they want to improve or if they like that's like their piece. He's basically their piece that they can use to move to kind of create uh, and facilitate a new deal. So those are all that's all like, super, super important, right? Um when you consider this play, then it's just like an additional piece of upside that you could maybe get uh, somebody moved that opens up more minutes or more usage uh, for a player like Kaminga. So that's part of why I kind of like this prop as well. Um, and another spot that's similar to that is I was looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers game um, and I was looking at Jared Allen's player prop. So the Cavs are playing the wizards in this matchup and jared allen's rebounding line is set at 11 and a half uh part of why i like the spot here is that it's a matchup against daniel gafford marvin bagley is already out daniel gafford has been in numerous trade talks uh there's obviously the potential that he could get traded before this game even starts um which would really really make the pistons front or the wizards front court extremely thin rather um but even if he doesn't allen's had incredible history against daniel gafford he's got 12 19 8 14 14 13 10 and 14 rebounds against daniel gafford over the last couple of seasons uh some of that's with evan mobley some of it's without evan mobley um i do think that obviously Mobley's impact and Mobley's presence kind of impacts Allen's rebounding a bit. Um, I'm, we'll see how much of an uptick we get for Evan Mobley in the minutes department here um, as you know, as he's kind of ramped up in his return to injury. But it's definitely a spot that you could say like, all right, there's a little bit more of additional upside here. Uh, if, you know, if Gafford is to be ruled out or is to get traded, uh, that could really change this prop. And it's something that you kind of want to get into now, in my opinion, given the fact that the Wizards would be super, super thin at the uh, at the center position here. <clears throat> Another spot that I'm looking at, and I think a game that is particularly interesting is if we look at the uh, New Orleans Pelicans against the Los Angeles Clippers. So these te- this is a really interesting game. The Clippers are fourth in adjusted net rating. They're plus 5.6. They're number two in adjusted offense, number 13 in adjusted defense. Uh, the Pelicans are eighth in adjusted net rating, 13th in adjusted offense, and ninth in adjusted defense. Um, so part of my part of my look here uh, with this game anyway is Zion it just popped on the report as questionable. Um, so that would obviously impact what New Orleans can do offensively. It changes their offense. It changes the way that they play. It changes their tempo. Um, it really changes their entire you know mindset on how exactly they're going to play. Um, when we look at this matchup for the Clippers. Uh, Zubac, he didn't play on Monday night, uh, due to the calf injury that he's kind of come back from. He's kind of ramping up. Uh, this is a matchup though, where new Orleans, I think would prefer obviously to be healthy. Uh, but it, but it does put two teams that are stylistically interesting, I think against each other. Um, the Clippers obviously have elite wing players. Like the whole team is just a bunch of wings. that can do a little bit of everything. Um, and when you look and I, and I think that having James Harden and his ability to facilitate in this matchup is going to be really important against what has been a pretty strong New Orleans Pelicans defense. On the flip side, I think that what 
the Clippers can do defensively is they can kind of disrupt. You have a lot of size, you have a lot of wings, you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um, that can kind of get into and bother guys like Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum. So I think if Zion's not there, that's the one kind of positional matchup that New Orleans, I think, would really have a significant advantage in. Um, So without him, I think it, it obviously impacts the cap. Right now, the Pelicans are six and a half point road underdogs. I think that if Zion plays, I want to take the Pelicans. I still might want to take the Pelicans anyway if this line really inflates if he's ruled out, um, just based on the fact that I think the team has been so good and they they're so well coached and they're so well. Um, yeah, I think I do feel like they're like a touch underrated as good as the Clippers have been. Um, I probably that's probably the way that I would lean, especially a lot of times when guys get ruled out. Uh, it is a spot for teams to kind of rally together uh, and kind of make make a push in order to stay, you know, stay afloat and continue to put forward a good game. Uh, so that's definitely a spot that I'm looking at. Um, another game that I think is particularly interesting uh, on this slate is we have the San Antonio Spurs against the Miami Heat. Miami's on a back to back. Uh, so this is a this is a good spot for the Spurs. The Spurs are eight point road underdogs at the time of this recording. The one thing to note, though, is that it is the it is the front end of a back to back for the Spurs. So we have to keep tabs on whether or not Wemby's going to play. That's always a bit of a risk. Uh, but one of the things that I would look to do here. Um, I might look at some Trey Jones assists. Uh, I think that it's a good spot. Miami plays a lot of zone. I think it's an opportunity to uh, for him to dish, kind of find some of those catch-and-shoot type of guys. Uh, I think it might be a really good matchup for Devin Vassell as well. Um, so I'd be looking for that. Uh, and and I think that, honestly, as if Victor does play, I'm probably going to grab the Spurs at plus eight. It wouldn't surprise me to see a number of guys in Miami sit, whether it's Jimmy Butler, um, maybe Tyler Hero. You know, he's been dealing with some stuff. Uh, so a couple of those guys, you know, you you definitely, there is definitely some potential for somebody to sit. Uh, so that's definitely a spot that I'm looking at. <clears throat> uh, another interesting matchup, right, is the, I'm kind of going through the whole slate here, but uh, the Raptors and the Hornets. Um, the Raptors, it looks like they're probably done dealing. Maybe they move Gary Trent Jr. Uh, that's definitely an option for them, I think. But the Hornets seem to be in active negotiations as well in terms of moving uh, bridges. Um, so they're a team that looks like they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to retool. Uh, Brandon Miller has looked amazing. Uh, and I think that given that I like a Brandon Miller look in this game. Um, I could see Brandon Miller having a continuing to have a good game. He's been able to get into a better flow as he's kind of had the ball in his hands more. He's seen his usage rise, We've seen his prop around like 22 and a half. I think it's a particularly good matchup for him in this game against the Raptors as a guy who can score, you know, he can create for himself, he can for himself, he can score off the dribble. Um, and if the Hornets do see, Bridges maybe get moved or he's limited in this game because they want to or, you know, because they they want to uh, make sure that he remains healthy in order to move him. Then it's a spot for Brandon Miller that he could really shine. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about the Joel Embiid injury and how I think it's going to impact the how I think it might really just like impact the team overall. So with this injury, uh, Philly has to make a couple of decisions. Um, one of the biggest decisions for Philly to make is, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski said that today they're like, oh, well, we're going to reevaluate him in a couple weeks. And it's really like, 
the guy got surgery. I know that it sounds like, you know, maybe it's a trim or something like that. The dude's been dealing with injuries to the meniscus in his left knee for a number of years now. And we'll just have to see like whether he can, not only whether he can come back, but whether or not he's going to come back and be effective. Um, and I think that that's really the most important thing because Daryl Morey has famously said, you know, if you have a 5% chance to win the NBA title, like you should be going all out for that. So I think that the way that they kind of handle the trade deadline is going to be particularly interesting because there is the opportunity to try to say like, all right, well, Maxi, just lead us to the promised land. Like you can do it. Um, <clears throat> but my concern with that is that actually Maxi's numbers have not really been significantly better without Embiid. Um, he sees a scoring jump by about a point and a half. Uh, his rebounds drop, his assists drop. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's the primary option for opposing defenses, and you're getting fewer possessions in transition due to Embiid's defense not being on the floor, um, and you just obviously don't have one of the best scoring players or best players really in the NBA active. Um, with that in mind, though, it does create an interesting question for Philly. Like, do you want to try to move off of some of these guys that you have? Like, do you want to try to move Tobias Harris to somebody that, you know, you think might be a better contender where you can get something back for him? Uh, do you want to move Kelly Oubre, who's on like an incredible contract? Do you want to move a guy like DeAnthony Melton? Um, like, those are just a couple of the questions I think that you kind of have to answer uh, if you're Philly. And I think that based on whether or not they make moves at the deadline, like kind of around that, then I think that's going to tell us a lot about what Philadelphia thinks of Embiid's knee injury, regardless of the fact that they're going to be reassessing it, uh, reassessing it in about a month. Now, the other thing here with Philly is where they are in the standings. So right now, in the standings, Philly is in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. They're 30 and 19. Uh, they're behind the Celtics, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Knicks. Uh, they're three games ahead of the Indiana Pacers, four games ahead in the loss column, uh, and also four games ahead of the loss column of the Orlando Magic. I think it's highly unlikely that they would fall like all like out of the play in tournament. I, I really don't think that would happen. But I do think that there is some potential for them to fall a bit lower, um, whether that's the six seed, the seven seed, maybe even the eight seed. If Joel Embiid does come back, you got to ramp him up. The best case scenario on this time frame is ba they're basically saying is like two months. Two months is literally the playoffs. Like it's very difficult to ramp up in the NBA playoffs. It's very difficult to ramp up. Generally, the playoffs are difficult as on their own. Um, this is going to create a very difficult situation, I think, for them. It also, though, creates an interesting scenario in the bracket uh, because Philly is not a team that you would expect to be at the bottom half of the bracket. And it could really create, like if Embiid is healthy, it could really create an interesting first round matchup where you, know, you have some juggernauts facing each other early, um, whether it's like Philly playing the Knicks, Philly playing Milwaukee, Philly playing the Celtics. Those are like not necessarily matchups that you really envisioned in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So it kind of can create, it can create a little bit of a war. Um, it's going to create some jockeying for position later on in the season. Uh, I don't 
I think like the eight seed is probably a little bit far for them to fall. Um, it obviously is possible though, considering the fact that Indiana's at 23 losses, my Orlando's at 23 losses, Miami is at 24 losses. And those are all teams that are really just pretty close to Philadelphia at this stage of the game in the, in, like in the standings. Um, even if they do play in a one game playoff, I don't know how much I'd like their prospects against a team like Orlando, a te- especially a team like Miami. Um, I think they would obviously be fine against a Chicago or an Atlanta. Uh, but even then, if they really do fall off, it, you know, you you could be really looking at like a very disappointing season for Philly. And one of the things that I think like one of those unintended consequences of this is that Paul Reed's contract uh, was only guaranteed or is only guaranteed that uh, the Danny Ainge poison pill only guaranteed if they make it to the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> so they, they like Paul Reed might find himself without a contract right now uh, if Philadelphia cannot advance. Um so those are those are a couple of things that I was looking at for this NBA slate. Uh, it's it's definitely a little bit on the thinner side for me right now. It's very difficult to bet at this point um, without having some of the information. I am like looking at in the Pistons and the Kings. I'm looking at a Demontis Sabonis play. Uh, I kind of like the matchup against Jalen Duran, but I think the line's a little high. It's like, you know, we're looking at a 12 point spread and we're looking at a 13 and a half rebounds line. So as good as Sabonis is, I don't know if I really want action, uh, in that spot. So it's definitely, it's definitely a little bit of a concerning look there for me, but, uh, it's definitely something that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Maybe I'll take like a first quarter play, but we'll, we'll make sure to put it out there for you. Um, so one of the things that I did want to talk about that's not specifically betting related in terms of like this slate, uh, but I want to talk about a little bit of bankroll management stuff, right? So <clears throat> somebody today uh, was in my mentions and they were like, well, you know, how do you, how do you bet this? Like, how do you do this when, you know, like I'm trying to tail everything and I have like a lot out there. The way that I look at my bankroll and when I put out plays, like I pretty much am always putting out plays for one unit. Like I think I, I, I that's the way that I bet for the public. Anyway, like that's how I'm putting it out there. That's how I'm logging it. Um, and and that's honestly how I bet personally for the most part is I flat bet. It's a, it's uh, like a one unit play, um, and I think that that's the best way to kind of do the math, right? Uh, I like to bet flat units. Um, I think that it's better than betting to win one unit. And the reason that I think that is that it has to do with like what I'm staking, right? So <clears throat> if I'm betting, let's say I'm betting uh, $10, right? Uh, if I'm betting $10 flat bet every time, uh, you you know you know what your expectation is. You know how many units you have. Like it's a little bit easier, I think, math wise, right? Uh, when you're betting to win, <clears throat> you have to bet the juice. So let's say I'm betting on something that's uh, minus one ten, um, and I flat bet ten dollars. I win nine dollars and you know nineteen cents or whatever. Um, if I'm betting to win, I have to bet eleven dollars to win ten. It's not, it's, it doesn't really make a huge difference there where it can make a big difference though, is like if I'm betting on something at like minus minus one fifty. uh, so instead of betting $10, I'm betting then 15. So I have a higher percentage of my bankroll out there. The way I like to look at units, I like to look at each unit as 1% of my bankroll. Um, so that way, like whether I win or I lose, 
it's not really like the the end of the world. Uh, you need to be able to go through like ebbs and flows. We get hot, uh, we run hot. There are certain times where, where I think it's appropriate to withdraw. Um, I do think though that overall, I like to keep my bankroll, at least for the season or at least for portions of the season <clears throat> intact, like unless I hit a lotto or something like that, something that I bet like for fun, um, where it like kind of dramatically changed what my total bankroll was, right? So the reason I do this and the reason I say this though is that number one, like from a mental health perspective and I think from like a betting perspective, you really just don't need to have that much action like you i get it like when people want to feel a rush like they like that's like it's fun it's exciting like whatever the way that i look at this it's very it's a lot more analytical it's a lot more numbers based and i know that over the course of the season year over year i'm consistently winning um and i think that the best way for me to do that is by being able to bet the edges that I see that are available. So on one slate, that might be two plays. Another slate, it might be 10 plays. Um, but if my bankroll isn't able to handle that, then you know that kind of that obviously will create a problem. Uh, I'm not going to be able to manage it. It's stressful, I would imagine, um, if you're betting that much. Um, and it's it's not really conducive to like how you know, like you can live your life however you want, but like, I'm just saying like, I, I don't think that it's productive, uh, for you, like moving forward, like the way that I view this. And like, I, I know that there are, there are professional people that do this for a living. Um, I don't, uh, I put, I put this content out for you guys for free. Uh, I do, you know, I do get paid, um, by different, you know, by, by the action network, by, uh, like, you know, like I have some of my affiliate deals with like props.cash, stuff like that, but I'm not getting paid by like sports books. I'm not getting paid by a discord. I'm not getting paid by any of that stuff. Um, so I like, I'm putting out my stuff for you for free. Um, it's just something that I like to do. Uh, and I, and I, and I have found success in it for the last couple of years or really ever since I've kind of been doing it. Um, so when I say this about like the bankroll management, it's really just about being able to bet on the edges that you want, but then also not being like super stressed about it. Like you shouldn't be sweating. Like we say, like we're sweating a bet, but like, I'm not worried about it. Like if you put it out there one way or the other, uh, you should be able to live with that. Like as long as your process was good. And that's why, you know, when I talk through some of these plays with you guys here, when I, you read my write-ups, you can see what my process is. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is the way that I capped it. This is what I saw. This is what I was expecting. Did it happen the way that I thought? Okay, yeah, great. Uh, if it didn't, then it's either like, well, like, did it cash still? Or like, was I wrong? Like for the, or like, was I right for the wrong reasons? Or was I wrong, but still, like, you know, like did the bet lose, but was my analysis right? Like, was he getting that type of shot? Like was it in the shot just wasn't falling? Um, so those are, I think some of the important questions. And when you aren't like living and dying by every play, uh, in terms of like what your bankroll health is like overall, then you can kind of appreciate and understand a little bit more the nuances of that as opposed to if you don't do that and you're like I need this like I have to pay my rent or like I need to buy groceries or something like that then you're like you're not thinking about it in that way you're just looking at the results and obviously results oriented thinking I think is important um I think it's important to be able to say like you know we win more than we lose uh but at the same time when I say that 
I don't necessarily mean wins and losses. I don't necessarily mean like plus units, minus units. Um, I I generally mean what like is the ROI on the situation? What is the return on investment? Because I think that that's one of the most important things. So like if you bet ten thousand dollars on a play that's plus one hundred, it's the same ROI as if you bet one dollar on a play that's plus one hundred. That's ROI. And I think that that's sometimes a difficult concept for people to understand. But when we put out plays, when I put out plays and you see that they're being tracked by a unit system, then it's easier for you guys to understand like just how profitable I've been, how profitable, how profitable you could be, you know, tailing some of these plays and it's a little bit more and it's definitely more scalable. Um, so you can say like, all right, like he's bet. He's made a thousand bets, and over that time period, he's got like you know plus nine percent ROI. So you can take that and say like, all right, if I had my unit system and I did this, then this is what I would be up as well. Um, as opposed to you know when people just put out win loss records or they just say like I'm up X amount of units, uh, that doesn't really matter to me because like if somebody's betting. 30 units on every play like you know like i think that unit management is like really questionable a lot of times when we look at it out there you see people betting you know anywhere between like one unit five units 10 units 30 units like it that's it's it's irresponsible um i think it's disingenuous i think that you're just putting numbers out there and it's i think it's impossible to be transparent um because like you could say like oh like we're up 50 units this month but if you're betting 50 units on every play then you're up one play you you won one extra play so that's why i think roi is so important and if people can't really express that or they can't really say that or they can't demonstrate that then i think that that's something you need to consider when like you're tailing people or you know like what the situation is so like for example um just you know i'm gonna tout myself right now honestly uh like looking at my stuff right when you look at my bet history over the last seven days uh at the time that we're recording this 28 15 and 3 plus 58.65 percent roi this is all trackable through the Action Network app. Um, I'm a verified expert better there, so I can't edit my bets. Uh, there's nothing that I can do. Once it's in, there's no way for me to change it. Um, it's on the back end through software. If there's an error for some reason in something that's uh, logged, like if I wrote, like if it's like the wrong, like, juice like if it's something that's like minus a thousand or something like that when it should be like minus a hundred then you know that's something that we can get changed uh on back end but i have to actively ask somebody to do that it's not something that i can just do on my own um over the last 30 days we're 124 117 and 10 plus 32.81 units roi 17.83 percent and all time plus 170.26 units i've got 2,831 wins, 3,325 losses, 95 pushes for a 6.82% ROI. So you can see like how there's ebbs and flows, how you can run hot, how you can run cold. But ultimately, the thing that doesn't really matter, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of other people's opinions, it's not so much the wins and the losses. It's not necessarily the units. It's the ROI. Um, so you know, if you consistently pull back an ROI that's positive, then that's something to be that's important. So like when even when you're looking at your own structure and your own unit system and the way that you're betting and the way that you look at your you know your results look at it through a couple different lenses um and understand 
how you kind of get there on each of them. Um, so like it's important, obviously, to be plus units. Uh, that means that you're winning. It means that you didn't, you're not bleeding a hole in your pocket, right? Uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure that your ROI is good. Uh, you want to make sure that you know you're you're betting in a way that's sustainable. So that can be that's between you know unit management, bankroll management, um, and the way that I look at it, I don't really believe I'm playing anything more than like three units on anything. Um, and I think, like I said, I think that units are should be about one percent of your bankroll. Um, so those are some of my bankroll management tips, especially for this point in the NBA season. We're kind of in the doldrums. The all-star break is coming up. Uh, the trade deadline's coming up. You have a lot of guys like that are just excited to get, like especially a lot of vets. They're excited to get a couple days off, like a really like a week off now. Go to the all-star game, maybe spend some extra time with family if they're not going to the all-star game. Things get really funky right around now. And then they really tighten up for a little bit after the all-star break. Then you get another lull again as teams kind of rest and jockey for position as we head into the NBA playoffs. So that's my lesson on bankroll management for this podcast. Uh, with that, producer Corey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. How about yourself? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Um, Good to hear. It's, it's not been it's not been bad. Been putting a lot of miles in the car, but uh, you know it is what it is. Gas prices actually haven't been too too bad lately. Yeah, no, they're right where they were when I graduated high school. Yeah, so it just is what it is. It's cyclical. Can't beat that cyclical. Um, what do you got going on for us? What 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 are we recommending today? Banana bread. Oh, I lo- I just had banana bread today. Yeah, I'm out, which really makes me sad because I want some right now. Did you did you uh, make it? So that's what I'm How'd craving. That's it? what I'm recommending. How'd you get it? I did. Um, well, I didn't. My fiance did. Nice. Uh, that was pretty much it. Jenna ate it, and I I need more. You ate it. You ate it. <laughs> Jenna, I need more now. Jenna has been making it instead of the loaf. She's been making them in cupcakes. Oh hell yeah! And the thought process is number one, it's easier. You can grab and go. True. Um, I t- I've been taking them for like a snack. Like I took one for breakfast. Don't have to cover over multiple days of use. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like, what that you know, you're just saying a prayer. You didn't like leave it cracked under the aluminum foil. Yeah, cupcakes. Get all stale and shit. Not bad. It's really not bad. Smart. Uh, they actually, I believe it's called the muffin. Um, if you want to get into semantics, but yeah, no, it's definitely um an easier to go route. For sure. For sure. Um, so, so definitely, so I'd recommend the muffin variety of that. Um, (laughs) uh, additionally, speaking of like fiancés, significant others, wives, whatever, um, if you haven't made a Valentine's day reservation, you like number one need to do that. If, especially if you want to go out on Valentine's day, like you needed to do this like last week. Um, so like definitely do it now. Um, I did, or you can start getting an elaborate meal together that you can make. Yes, if you're really screwed, or that, like if you're down a lot of units, do that. Yeah, you have time now to like <laughs> do the food shopping and make it look like it wasn't a last minute option. Exactly. Um, what so, I did, get activated. Other thing is too, like girls, they love, they want to be asked to be your Valentine. Um, it's, it's like you would think that it's just a given, but they still want to be asked. So like today I sent an edible arrangements to my own house asking my wife to be my Valentine. 
not bad. So like, it's just, it's just like a way it kind of, I, like, I think Valentine's day is like literally one of the dumbest holidays. It's just a hallmark holiday. Um, truly, but at the same time, you know, it's like, it is an opportunity for you to do a little bit of something to make people a little happier. Um, so let's yeah, get a nice dinner out of it. Yeah. Get a nice dinner out of it. Get, get something that you want to have. Um, maybe have a, like a nice bourbon or nice, like nice, nice red wine, like a full body cab, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, call it a day. So uh, my recommendations are a little bit Valentine's day related. Um, make your reservations, ask your significant other to be your Valentine. Uh, because right now it's still like a week ahead. So it's, you know, you do have a little bit of headway going into that where it's not like, well, you're asking me like two days before this is ridiculous. You know, like right now it's like, you got a week, you have some time, uh, maybe get a little bit of chocolate or something. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, so do recommend those things. Um, the other thing that I'm going to recommend is, uh, I've been on a real, uh, like, I've been on a real rice kick. Like I've been really wanting rice. Um, so I've been having rice with like a lot of my meals lately, which I guess kind of checks out, you know? Um, I, I don't know what to say here <laughs> I, for the listeners. I just pointed to my eyes. Am I, am I wrong for assuming that was the case? <laughs> well, sometimes like I you. went, sometimes you go without rice for a bit and it's like, I mean, I, I've had my dry spells as well, but like, it's a staple. Yeah. Like I, we were, we had like a big potato week last week. So that's why I was like, I kind of could use some rice. Um, did have spuds are heavy in the wintertime. Spuds are, spuds are good in the wintertime. Um, did have, speaking of not heavy though, did have some cod last night. Uh, mm. very good pan, like Personal pan fried. Mine. It, it was really good. Um, was a really big fan of it. Uh, and you know, it was just nice, like pretty light. Um, cause sometimes you need that light meal mixed in every so often between the stews and the potatoes, et cetera. So, uh, really did enjoy a little bit of cod. Um, that's about, that's really all I've got for you guys right now. Um, but with that, you know, obviously it's, it's not necessarily cod season, the NBA, but it, the NBA is in a fishy time of the year. One of the best ways I knew it was going to happen at some point. One of the best ways that you can avoid some of the fishiness of the NBA season is you guys can get props.cash for 25% off your first month with code Delara25. Look, you guys can actually dive into the data. You can mess around with the minutes. You can mess around with the numbers. You can mess around with like the shot attempts, the free throw attempts, the shots made, the, the turnovers, like whatever. You can look at all of those things to determine what you think is, is or is not a good bet. And those are all critically, critically important to finding success in betting. Not only the NBA, they have the NCAA in there. So if you're a college hoops guy, they've got NCAA double a uh they've got WNBA when that happens they've got mb or mlb nfl all of the major sports they've got on props.cash and you can get that for 25 percent off your first month with code delara 25 so with that let's continue to keep things from being fishy and let's cash that <laughs> 